Let's so we're gonna that. we're gonna calm down yeah. and maybe maybe not use any of that. We'll see. Yeah. Um. Mm. All right. Should we say hi, heathens, again? Just yeah. In case. Let's just do that. Hi, heathens. Hey, heathens. Hi. Um. Sailing into season four. We are gracefully really super gracefully it's been a real we have smooth n- ride i promise we have not been sitting here for the past 30 minutes watching <laughs> a spinning wheel of death on the sitting mac here, but, but where are we sitting where are We're we sitting sitting Matthew in the wide open commons the wide open commons which is where which is where we live now it's in our house we're we're housemates our house our it's house. a heathen household. We have a whole house of heathens. <laughs> oh my gosh, we cannot get away from the alliterations. Oh, I mean, have, are we trying? To no, get away? no, we're not. No, no, no. We're hellbound. There, there's more <laughs> heathen hellbounds. Heathen hellbound. Um, yeah, we moved in together, yeah. like like a couple of heathens would. We did with you know a few other humans. Yeah, a couple other humans. A couple of cats and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, oh <laughs> which gosh. we're currently surrounded by. So much stuff. We're getting there, and we've been painting. Yes. We have a big pink fireplace now. Yeah, we here. do. I can't wait to post a picture. Yeah, um, that's going to be our Instagrammable feature. It'll so be amazing. Come. We need a we need a, a a word for pink that begins with H. <laughs> Halcyon? That's not pink. No. That's what? that's like the, the the dreamy golden period of your life or oh. whatever. <laughs> All right. Um. Listen, the point is we have like a whole heathen workspace now, it's, which means we're going to start kicking some butt. Yeah. It means we can do all kinds of things mm-hmm. and um, easily. And it means that we're together yeah. often, which yes. is great. So we can start like recording back here. We can have people come here to yes. record, which is going to be amazing. Yes. Um, we could just leave our shit. Yes. Set up I don't all have the to, time. I don't have to carry around the laptop and the microphones and like set things up. No, y'all, we have big plans too. We're uh, gonna have like the little social media ing area with the ring light and the whole like it is. Oh yeah, it is legit back here. We have the big plans and the exhaustion. Yes. So if you're bored and you'd like to come over and paint something, yeah, you just let us know. Absolutely. Um, we'll throw in some free podcast episodes. We will. And also just like, uh, it, it's been a minute since we've been out there in the airwaves. So <laughs> we're ready for some new, fresh, uh, ideas, yeah. folks you want us to talk to questions you have. You know, we only only one time have we ever done like the listener letters thing, which I really liked. Yeah, so I'd great. love to do that. But we need some letters to do that. So. Yeah, you do need to write us some letters or send us some emails. Like you don't have to actually get out your like quill and ink and your your. I personally documents. will not respond to anything that does not come with a wax seal. Okay, well you can text me if you want to. Yeah, that will be fine. Um, but yeah, you can reach out to us at a myriad ways. There are so many. So many. Um, uh, AskHeathen at gmail.com is number one. Yeah. You can join the Heathen Huddle on Facebook, which you have to email us to do at AskHeathen yep. at gmail.com. That's this right. This is sort of circular. Heathen Huddle is a secret private Facebook group. Uh, it's a lovely safe space. Mm-hmm. Conversation happens there. We've got a lot of the former guests who are in there ready to talk to you. Yep. So join that. You can reach out to us on Instagram. Instagram, Send Twitter, slide into Facebook. Our DMs. Um, you could join us on Patreon. Oh, oh. The, I had a little bit best of like way. A, a little bit of a Shit's Creek thing. This our Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Moira. Moira. I can't even say her name. David. Um, <laughs> Uh, yes, Patreon is a surefire way to get our attention. If Absolutely. you, you sh- uh, want to support this thing, it's uh, patreon.com slash heathenpodcast. Um, you can join at the Trinity level for $3 a month. Uh, if you're you know, a real big spender, join at the Disciple level for $12 a month <laughs> yeah. um, or just a dollar, whatever. Yeah, K- kick whatever. in, kick we'll in. Help it. us we keep can, this thing going. I think we can do this letters thing uh, like shout house rules. So like if you just send us a non-Patreon letter, mm-hmm. like that's a suggestion. <laughs> there you go. There <laughs> but you if go. you send us a Patreon one, like that's a request. We're on it. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. We're in. We're, we're there. Um, anyway, yeah. listen, we love you guys. We're back. Um, it's Valentine's Day. It is Valentine's Day. And we have the best Valentine. We have, without question, the best Valentine. And I was so excited when we found out that this was going to be a thing and I didn't spill the beans. <laughs> Good job, Karen. I'm really proud. Um, because the last time we had this Valentine, I wasn't there. So I I hadn't gotten to talk to this person yet. 
And so this was actually my first time getting to chat with this human yeah. who I think is just the absolute bee's knees. Like, I think he's the greatest. Truly. Um, um, just like such a, a lovely human doing lovely work. A lovely conversationalist. It's mm-hmm. just delightful to listen to. Smart. So yeah. obviously we're talking about Derek Webb, the one and only. Obviously. He's back. He is back. Uh, yeah. And um, and we're about to just drop you right into the conversation. We kind of <laughs> hit record as we were all getting reacquainted and, and catching up. And so Derek uh, is in the middle of talking about a new project that he's working on. And that is where we begin. Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. The idea of being asked to create music for um, an institute, a spiritual, a church institution, and the content of those songs not really being things that I believe anymore, what's right. fascinating about it is I don't have a dog in the fight. And yeah. so right. I actually don't feel the preoccupation with having to d- determine how I feel about this particular church's theological take on all these different things. I can just look at their statement of faith. I can look at the, the verses that make up the songs and the, the things that, they, you know, that they're trying to cover in this kids' curriculum thing. And, and then I can just write the very best songs I can based on what they're mm-hmm. needing and wanting and wanting to emphasize. And it's been awesome. Like, it's mm-hmm. been so fun and so easy. It's just like putting jigsaw pieces together. And right, you're just writing to spec, yeah. Yeah, and I don't have to, and it doesn't reflect at all on me. I don't have to work my, you know, opinions into it, you know, or anything. Right. It's actually kind of been a relief, and it's been fun, mm. and I'm super proud of it, and I can't, right. I don't know that exactly how it's going to work in terms of, like, whether or not people are going to be able to, like, stream and listen to this stuff without having the full curriculum or I, I actually like want to talk, see if I can talk them into releasing it as just an album so that people can listen yeah. to it. I'm really proud right. of it. Like I yeah, produced absolutely. it, I wrote it, I sang the whole thing. and That's awesome. It's yeah, so strange. Really and it was such a it, strange moment. It's it, strange. And, and it, I mean, it reminds me of how I feel about leading music at church now mm-hmm. today um, mm-hmm. uh, because it's that, that's that same kind of thing. Like I, I feel so much less concerned about um, I mean, it's still, I still think about the songs I'm picking, obviously, and, and what we're saying. And we do, we will rewrite like old hymns in, in ways that suit our community better. And, um, but I'm just so less burdened by how my, the words that, that we're, we're, you know, vocalizing are going to be either received or, you know, the perception of how people are going to perceive me for, for singing that stuff. Because yes. it's well, just. What's fascinating about it is it, it, it to me it feels like um, being free of the preoccupation or or uh, responsibility to press my own opinions about the topics into the songs or into the curation of the songs mm-hmm. kind of feels like what I imagine it it should be like to be a vocational mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. minister at a church. Because your yeah. job is, just like what you're describing, your job is to uh, provide, I, I've, I often said, I've all, and I still feel that, you know, the job of hymns or songs in religious or worship type services, the, the role of the songs is to provide language for people to confess things they wish to believe. And... Mm-hmm. That's the job. That's what you're there to do. Which which presupposes that you that it's a voca- it's a vocational a, a ministry job because how do you know the words that people need to confess and tell their stories if you don't know those people? So it does require mm. the yeah. ministry aspect of living with and around and knowing the stories of these people and knowing what kind of week they've had, knowing what they're going through, right. knowing what's happening in the community, so that you can say these are the words that we need to temper our emotions or to confess things or to grieve or whatever it is. And I feel like I would have a hard time if I 
had a job like that, which I never have. I've never been a worship leader or anything like that. But if I was, I probably wouldn't be able to resist also impressing my preferences or my opinions or my particular takes on those on the beliefs of all those bits right. onto what I'm providing for people. And really, that should have nothing to do with me. Yeah. And right. So it's kind of a, to me, it's like being able to have some kind of a good detachment where you can just objectively look at a community, you can look at all of the songs and language and language at your disposal and provide it um, in a way that ministers to these people. And if you can't find it, write it and make it mm-hmm. and get it to them. Um, but yeah, it's kind of feels like the way it should work. And so, yep. it, and, and that's what's fascinating about this, this, uh, this big um, church denomination that uh, for whom I'm doing this work. What's interesting is when I challenged them, when they initially asked me if I'd be interested in, in writing this music and, and doing this thing, um, I, I just kind of said, hey, that sounds great. That sounds fascinating. Do you, are, you, are we all caught up? Like, have you guys been following me the last few years? Because right. you know, <laughs> You'll I, know what I, you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want that to be a, feel like a bait and switch when suddenly somebody hands you mm-hmm. fingers crossed or something. And, and what was great and what kind of tipped me over into wanting to do it was <laughs> that they actually, they said, no, no, we've, we've been following your career and we've, we, we've all listened mm-hmm. to the new music. And, you know, the person who, who previously wrote this curriculum music for us was a, um, like a, an Orthodox Jew in New York who didn't believe any of what he wrote for us, but we loved his perspective and the way he, he wrote poetry. And so he wrote what you're replacing. And it's not required that you believe it as long as you can write it well. And I was like, hmm. wow. <laughs> well, then I'm in. So anyway, well, there's something in that too about like the humility to, to welcome in a new perspective. You get something really beautiful out of that too when you get someone who's outside of like, you yeah. know, who has grown up with the yeah. pre-existing curriculum, you know. You get... walking with all the old tired language to describe Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of great. It's I do really think there's... It's really fun. That's beautiful. I think there's something that you said too that was really compelling to me in that the detachment place too because I feel like we also write for a kids tv show in between writing all of our like deep introspective serious stuff and it really is the best palate cleanser really and I feel like that's why it's because I am so emotionally as an artist attached to the content of my own work that I'm creating and like it needs I want it to be you know I want every word to be dense and poetic and I want it to pack everything in there and I know it works and then we write these songs about this little dog and it's like right. it's great like, you just let so, it go and I don't really care what happens to it and how they finalize no. it like however it's so lovely <sighs> to just create something that you're still proud of yeah but you don't have that big emotion like this is my identity attached that's right. to it that's right that's what's so great about doing doing uh, outside work as an artist like yeah. that is because you, you are able to just make things and not have the whole weight of the world or the whole weight of your identity bearing down on it, you can just make mm. something for the joy of making it or for the joy of it being exactly what somebody else really needed or wanted and was not able to make themselves, which is the way yep. a lot of that custom work, uh, you know, works. But the, uh, the other thing is uh, I have I, never, well, I, I did. I've, I've worked on, uh, there was a, a kids project called Rain for Roots that my ex-wife and I worked on together that I produced mm. some of those records for a little while and, and that's that's pretty sweet music. And um, but other than that, I'd never really worked on anything for kids before. Like, mm. um, and there's something about just like you were saying a moment ago about you know um, when you're when you're writing for yourself or you're or you're again you're kind of impressing all the weight of all that importance and dense poetry and whatever on what you're writing. It's like the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish yes. when you're making kids music. Because when you're making writing stuff for kids, you're really trying to make it both poetic and and good, objectively, but also understandable and not super clever, super dense, but like both poetic and simple. And that's like not, it's a surprisingly hard thing to do, to make something not just didactic and void of any kind of poetry, but, but to make something poetic and like simple. And so it's yep. been such a great exercise. It's really fun. You know? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And we find, too, that our own work, like we write more of our own stuff when we're writing the kids' show 
like mm-hmm. simultaneously because we're just in it for some reason that the the opposition in those mm-hmm. two methods and that that exact difference that having to distill everything and make it simple and then over here trying to make everything <laughs> go it the other helps, direction it just, it's really helpful it's like working the backside of some muscle that you you previously only you know work a certain way because I know when mm-hmm. I'm writing my own stuff like yeah I, I feel like I'm I'm so focused on doing what I think is the thing that I specifically do or must do and so mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I I haven't had a ton of opportunities like this to do outside work, and it's just been a blast. You know, it's been, oh, good. I definitely feel like everything else benefits, which is exactly what you're kind of saying. Like, that's yeah, yeah. It's been it's really it's my first time this year kind of doing this stuff too, and it's been it's yeah been delightful. Just so nuts. I had to bring now, it up because with you doing something like that, and I feel like that's something I've been doing and trying to explain to my few you know friends I've talked to about it, like how odd and fun it is. And, yeah, um, it's great. But I know you understand because you're actually doing. That's beautiful. Okay, so here's my transition. So we're talking about things that don't on the surface look like they go together well. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about love. <laughs> and, sure, we're going to need to flesh out that transition. Love, but love you know, and, love and deconstruction, love and uh, yeah. love and love and deconstruction, relationships and, and being equally yoked. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, yet again, much <laughs> language that we really need to repurpose. Uh, oh man. All back. Well, I mean, let us uh, just welcome you back to Heathen, oh. uh, Derek. First of all, just thanks for you know coming back on the show. Yeah, like, oh <laughs> I love. Um, I mean, I've loved every time we've spoken, and, and love and cheer you guys on constantly. So it's a well, thank you. Honor to yeah. Be back yeah, we feel that. We feel that love it's through the through the mutual. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're 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 so okay. I don't know what kind of context you would like to give us, but I know that we're we're releasing this on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, and the reason for that is because you also have something coming out today. I'll say today because that's when people will hear this. Yes. Um, uh, so do, I, do you want to like fill us in on on kind of where what you've been working on and what's happening sure. in your world since the last time we talked? Yes. So I think probably when we when we talked at length last was you know, when uh, Fingers Crossed, which is the, my 2017 record, was yeah. probably the most recent thing, and and is still, I guess, because the new record is Targets, and it comes out at the end of February, so... Um, we can't wait. Oh, and I've sent it to you guys. Have I sent it to you guys? I've sent you the whole record. Uh, I don't... Maybe? No, I haven't heard it yet, but... Oh, my God. Well, yeah. well I'm going to send it to you as soon as we're done. Well, well yeah. Okay, great. But, um, <laughs> We'd love to hear it. Really but, um, I have been yeah. listening to the singles that have come out so far. Yep. So. Oh, yeah, the video. Yes. Clever, too. Oh, you guys are the best. Well, so um, so Targets, or uh, Fingers Crossed, was was a really hard, heavy record. You can't you can't always help your source material. And and I, I like to say that an artist's job is to look at the world and describe it. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, the, the world you're going to describe is full of a lot of pain and loss and grief, and sometimes it's mm-hmm. it's not. And uh, for me, fingers crossed was a you know it took me a while to figure out how to describe the world I was looking at. I didn't know if that mm-hmm. was a thing people even really wanted to hear anything about or gave a shit about. Um, yeah. And I finally, what finally pulled me through it was realizing that when I was going through which I was in real time at that point, but when I was going through dealing with um, a lot of loss and, you know, I kind of called fingers crossed my tale of two divorce, tale of two divorces album, you know, because I was both Mm -hmm. vertical horizontal, I was going through both at the same time. Um, 30 years of Christian faith breaking down and a a marriage ending. And, you know, so it was, it was hard. And, And what I realized was that there was, there was not a lot of music I couldn't, I was really having a hard time finding much soundtrack to go with me through that experience to mm-hmm. accompany me. And um, I found very few records. I found, obviously, there's always our patron saint, Dave Bazan, who yeah, <laughs> many songs and many albums that are deeply comforting to people who are going through what we might call spiritual deconstruction or a, an audit of all the presumptions that you hold <laughs> um, to help make reality make sense. And um, so he had great music for me. But outside of Dave's music and maybe just a few other things, there wasn't a lot else. And then definitely, there's a lot of breakup songs, a lot of breakup albums, but not a lot of records about divorce. And yeah. mm-hmm. so what finally pulled me out of my 
writer's block um, was once I kind of got my, started to get my feet under me, uh, just in the going through of the experiences, I was realizing, you know, like, there are a lot of people who, just like me, go, are going to go through or going through, will eventually go through hard things and won't find any more soundtrack than I found to comfort right. them and, and to persuade them that they're not alone, that there are people who understand, have gone through it, have survived it, understand where they are. Um, and that's what kind of started to pull me out of it, was wishing to contribute you know, something and um, uh, that, that might be found um, where I found little or nothing. And so mm. I started to work on that record. I did eventually finish it, get it out, tour it a little bit. The, the Airing of Grief podcast came as, a, as an ancillary result. Um, yeah. That very same thing, just wanting to make a space for people to tell those stories where I, where I was feeling like people maybe had not had a lot of safe places to talk ab about that sort of thing. And um, so all of that kind of resulted in, that's, that, that, that was kind of the context for kind of propelling me into making this new record, and, which is called Targets. And, and Targets is basically an album about me finding everything I lost on the last record. Mm -hmm. So it's by, very, by its very definition, it's a, it, it, if we're going to stay on these terms of deconstruction, it's a reconstruction record. Yeah. Um, you know, it's about the life on the other side of, you know, of all that grief and, you know, and, and just kind of finding the point. You, you, you'll, you always live with, you know, the things behind you. They're always part of the continuum, the momentum behind you pushing you forward. But, but the way you feel about those things does change. And I remember, again, I worked really hard um, to learn everything I could to get great therapy and to lean really hard into my, at that point, very new community of friends when I was going through a lot of that stuff. And, <clears throat> uh, you know, I got to the end of that and really felt like I could feel it. Like, oh, wow, I just found the end of this stage of this grief. Mm -hmm. And I'm really finished. I really don't want to. I remember, like, it was while I was, because I played that Fingers Crossed album in its entirety every night of that tour. So I probably yeah. played right. that whole album 90 times, you know, last yeah. year or the year before. And I remember the point where I was like, felt like I had found the end of it and then realized I still had maybe 25 shows. <laughs> <laughs> so you think you're done. But yeah, that's okay. Yep. Though, you know, so, but cause, um, and, and, uh, and then immediately started to write this new record because I, because as people, as I think you guys and, and probably a lot of folks who, who uh, follow the heathens here, you know, have found when you do get to the other side, there's a point at which you're, you're done identifying yourself at, um, by what's behind you and what you've left mm -hmm. and what you used to be. And yes. you wish to, that's why I've kind of like been a little ambivalent about kind of the ex-evangelical category or the, mm -hmm. like, I, I don't want to be thought, I don't want to think of myself as ex-anything. It's what you're not. Yeah. And I want to, like, what, where am I going? Like, what's, yep. and, um, and, and obviously that's a great category for us to help gather and find each other and go with each other through things. And, but, um, but I was anxious. I was anxious because what I felt was a wholesale energy shift. And, you know, because suddenly my life was starting to change and I met, you know, my now wife. Um, and so there were, sea, there were, there were seeds planted and, and fuses lit on new seasons of life that have led now to my being the happiest I've ever been, hmm. ever, you know, I'm, I'm, and so I needed new sounds, new colors, new language, you know, and I needed to, like, start to talk about it, like, immediately, because there was such a dramatic shift in my energy and just the way I felt about life and everything else, and so I started to write those songs, I, I really wrote it and recorded it pretty quickly, and, um, I was but, gonna say I, I remember like yeah. just, I felt like Targets was being promoted like right after I was done digesting <laughs> um, no. fingers crossed. And I was no, like, wow, he, he is moving. He's I on know. It. Well, and then unfortunately, <laughs> like that's true that it was, but that's because I was yeah really anxious. I, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In that yeah, context. and so as soon as I was done with it, 
I mean, I started like, I immediately got out and started playing shows. I did like a, I don't remember how many shows, but I did maybe 30 or 40 shows um, mm-hmm. as a Target's preview to mm-hmm. that was literally a year ago. Yeah. Right. Um, because I was so anxious. And, and then, see, here's the thing. So when I, fi- when I finished the last record, when I finished Fingers Crossed, I had gone through so much transition in my life and my personal life and my professional life. I was really starting a lot of things over at that point. Yeah. And so when Fingers Crossed came out, I didn't want to treat it like um, a commodity and, a, and a, a thing that I was going to put out. I, I just needed to, for me emotionally, personally, I needed to put that out. I needed to get that on the record. I needed to express all of that while the, the tears were still wet on the page, so to speak. Right. So I, I literally finished Fingers Crossed and put it out like less than a week later like I got Mm -hmm. the masters back and I had a whole plan of like how I was going to release it maybe and kind of plan ahead and promote it and I was like you know what absolutely not like this is not a thing to be promoted and and strategized around I just need to drop this thing out there and just Just get on with my life you know and and so that's what I did and I kind of thought maybe that's what I was going to do with targets but then I realized you know there's not as much urgency with this and I want to take an extra moment to maybe I want I you know I want I'm proud of it I think it probably there'll be more people who will wish to hear songs about joy defiant joy and reconstruction than maybe mm. we're at a point where they were ready to deep dive into grief the way that fingers crossed did and 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 I had just signed with a new manager and kind of had some and again that's all part of the reconstruction you know like I, a new team around me new people to help and things like that so uh and their strong advice was let's not just drop this thing out here. Let's take a beat and let's right do it right. And, yeah. So, yeah. so I thought it was going to be one of those, I thought I was going to Beyonce it, um, again, <laughs> which I didn't wind up doing. And so, you know, so for my sweet, sweet dozen people who love me so much that they can't stop, uh, saying shit to me on social <laughs> media about how long it's taking. For <laughs> Most people don't pay any attention, don't know. Sure, right. Don't understand timelines. Yes. Sweet people who I know that their criticism is rooted in deep love and care. They're ready. (laughs) They're ready. And they're really done with me talking about here comes another single. They're... <laughs> Give us anyway. well, end of February, right? Yeah, we are almost We're there. Almost there. We We're are. so Going close. Yeah. <laughs> You've made so, it. So to get us back on topic, um, you know, half the record is about kind of finding my way back into to start to rebuild some of those, mm-hmm. as I said before, the, the presumptions that we lean our weight about invisible things. You know, I, my new line about belief in general is that I don't really have, on this side of loss of Christian faith and whatever else, I don't really have beliefs. I have um, uh, hypotheses that I'm testing yes. in real time. Yep. But I don't have beliefs. I don't have anything that I would would go so far as to call a belief because mm. belief to me, and this is me, this is just my opinion, this is how I do right. it, feels like it brings with it a, a, a weight for a lot of people of some kind of certainty. Yeah. And yeah. I am permanently uncertain about <laughs> right. especially invisible things yep. and, unknowable, <laughs> and unknowable things. So things that are that you can't see and things that are in moments beyond this one. Um, I can't really know for sure. Uh, I cannot really have any certainty about either invisible or unknowable future type things. And and therefore, I think the healthiest position is for me to remain permanently uncertain about those things and to have Mm -hmm. hypotheses that I test in real time. And so rather than going through a big deconstruction again, like having one big meal and it taxing all your energy, I think I'm just going to, de and reconstruct in real time and what for me that looks like is having hypotheses that I'm always testing um, and remaining and here's the thing even for my more religious type friends I don't think uncertainty is the enemy of faith I think it's the requisite of faith um, to be uncertain because if you can see and you're sure and you're certain then no faith is required but if, if you can't see and you're not sure and you are uncertain that's a great spot for faith to drop in. And um, so that's half of what Targets is about, is 
Hmm. What am I re? What, where is the reconstruction? What are the new hypotheses about yes. maybe how things work and what seems to ring true to me? The other half the record are just love songs um, <laughs> because I'm in love. I'm remarried and and uh, with uh, just such an amazing partner and so. The, the remaining songs are about her, and uh, and she sings heavily all over the record because she's also a musician and she's in a band, mm, right. so she uh, she's all over. And the she record. plays an accordion. She also does play an accordion, among other things. <laughs> I'm yeah. very so, impressed by and, this. And, like yeah. I understand that's not her defining feature, <laughs> but I find it very impressive. But it, yeah. but it ranked high on the list once I realized. <laughs> I could do it. Yeah, I didn't know. Um, I didn't. I thought the accordion was just a piece of decoration. She was like, "Oh no, do you mean to go get the accordion?" I was like, "Wait, do you play that?" That's <laughs> the most delightful. Yeah. Thing. So she's uh, no, she's she's amazing, and she's um, interestingly, uh, she is in a pretty successful um, and heavily touring Christian worship band. Mm-hmm. I love the circles of life. I know. The I know. And and here's the thing: they're awesome. Like they're great. Yeah. Great people and like really generous and really thoughtful folks. They're like, I love these folks that, that she's in a band called I am they, and uh, they are, they're a worship band. That's what they do. They, they tour all over. They've been all over the world and they do really well. And, and here's the thing, like I'm at the point where, and I've always thought that there was no such thing as there are only two categories of art. In my opinion, there is good and there's bad. Yeah. Um, and you know, so for what something is, is it good or is it not? And mm-hmm. what they do um, in the space they're in is just excellent. Like, the songs mm. are great. Um, I've been to many of their concerts. And when I stand there and I look at this, I think, like, these are people who have, sh- these are the, the, the audience, these are people who have shown up to have an experience. And they are so well facilitating that experience with what they're doing. And, mm. I, and I'm down with that. I mean, you know, these are people who have maybe a particular, uh, they come into a place like this, in front of a band like this, and they have beliefs, they have things that they wish to express. It's like what we were talking about before, like, they need language to confess things they wish to believe, and yeah. and, I, and my wife's band does this really well, um, and with, and like any artist of any kind, and certainly my own music when I was still identifying primarily as a as a Christian, and, and that was informing heavily the music I was writing and performing. A lot of nights, most nights, I did not walk into the room believing a word of what I was there to perform. Mm. Um, but I performed it anyway, and that did not seem to take away from the facilitating of the experience that the right. people who showed up wished to have. It Absolutely. didn't require me believing the same thing they were believing mm-hmm. in order for them to have that experience and for us mm-hmm. to have that thing, to do that thing together. And I can tell you that most of my friends who play what's called Christian music, and I have a lot of them from over the years, and still a lot of great dear friends of mine who do, who are in that space, they are always people who are much more complicated than what is advertised. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are people who have much more nuanced and complex thoughts about everything from spirituality to politics to sexuality to you name it, right. and what they could possibly express in a three-minute song or in a bio for a new album. Because that's not how the world works. There's right, not, which is which is yeah. to say they're actually people. They're actually like, people. That's, right. it's like, that's right. And my wife is an actual person. And right. she's, she is very complex about spirituality and everything else. But she also realizes the, and is grateful for this position she's been put in to go and do the thing that she's amazing at doing. She's a tremendous singer and performer and musician. And she gets to do that. Um, on a level that very few people get to do, and in front of people for whom she can facilitate an experience um, and, and also have an experience herself. Um, and she just has this great kind of way of looking at it, and it's complex, and it's true, and, you know, um, and we don't obviously totally agree on all those things, but for us, we love and respect each other deeply. We both feel the same way about discerning it all in real time, um, we talk endlessly about it, but ultimately we know that these are just our opinions right. about all this. Yep. But there is no certainty about it. So we love talking about it. And it's, it's you know, we've never had a second conflict about our differences in spirituality and things like that. And, um, you know, so anyways, it's been fascinating, you know, as you said. And, uh, and she's amazing. And she sings all over this record. And, uh, yeah. 
which I'm sure is just as puzzling to her bandmates and maybe right. the audience if they follow her voice over to my album. Um, <laughs> how truly complex life is and people are. Right. Well, and I think there's something really powerful when you are released from sort of this needing to convince people of the answers when you are, when, when your definition of faith becomes just that commitment to returning to the question, um, as opposed to like, I will believe the right answers. Mm. It it releases you from this pressure of having to agree. Um, I think in a really beautiful way that makes it possible. And this has become sort of the language that I use when I have conversation with, you know, my still very conservative friends. I, I talk, I try to orient us as much as I can toward like the thing we have in common is that it really matters to both of us to ask these questions. Yeah. It matters to both of us to ask the question. And as long as you have that going for you as a human, as long as you are compelled to ask this question and to contemplate why we're here and what it means and how we can do it well, I'm on board. Like you and I have a place to begin yeah. and we can build from that easily. And but it's no beautiful. With the presumption that there is actually a correct answer Yes, exactly. That, you know, that, that is knowable and that we are going to, ha- you know, that and that one of us presumes they have it walking in. Like, if we can, yeah. that's one of the great things about um, going through all that, whatever, the deconstruction, the audit that I, you know, that I went through spiritually a handful of years ago. That was one of the great things about it was I suddenly found myself when I sat down with friends and talked to them about their spiritual experiences and especially my Christian friends, any any friends who had a, an experience they wish to share about something that they truly like believed or that rang really true to them about um, about mysterious or, or complex things is I could actually sit there and really listen and be fascinated and ask questions and like it was it suddenly went from rather than playing you know chess with somebody like I'm always trying to anticipate your next move and come up with a great mm-hmm. report that'll really persuade you over to my way of thinking I could just be in, just fascinated with my friend's story and listen to what they had to say and, and consider that for myself and say like, wow, that's really like, and so that really happened. And you really, that sounds like you like that, that really, you know, that, that really had a huge impact and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and did you, have you ever had experiences like this? And have you ever thought about it like this? Or what do you say when people say this? And, but I'm really asking and really listening. And I'm really curious and I'm not right. trying to steer someone to a, foregone conclusion before we even sit down and I really prefer it this way I prefer oh God, not knowing what I'm going to believe by the end of the conversation yes yes <laughs> you know the ability I mean? to be changed like to, to have your mind be changed by I mean, someone information for God's sake you know it's beautiful <laughs> like I, I I don't have to hold this line of like you will not change my mind you will oh. not cause me to stumble but like yeah. just to go into it and be like well I don't believe this right now but maybe by the end of our conversation yeah. You will have convinced me I'm because like, I'm not. Change my mind. Like, yeah, come on, bring I mean, it on. Please I'm convince me that I'm wrong about most of how I perceive and see things. I would love, I want perspectives. Like, please tell me everything. Like, I don't care what you're into. I want to hear all about it. Like, if it's really persuaded you and it really, it's like yeah. you really, like, put some real stock in it. Like, well, t- shit, yeah. tell me why. What happened? Tell me everything. Because at the end of the day, that's kind of rare. It feels like that mm-hmm. that that people actually live out from a place of genuine belief or belief mm-hmm. that that, that um, yes. has transformed them. You know, as opposed to uh, maybe I just I should only really just speak for myself. I just think <laughs> think about my own experience and and the beliefs that I held so deeply uh, weren't things that felt true because they had. Yes. You know, originated in me or had transformed my life it was it was uh, you know it was very inherited and very yes. i just felt very necessary for me to to fight those battles but yeah. Um, but yeah if if i'm talking to somebody who is coming from that place of genuine authentic like yeah absolutely i want to hear that from yep. you yeah i think you can tell when you sit down with somebody you can tell like it's a it's it's unfortunately a thing that that i think most people can tell which is why it's really hard for um, uh, for my Christian friends, it's like they can't help but it, like it's it, it's hard to get people to really engage and listen because um, you get an immediate sense that oh this person is clearly steering this thing around or I can tell by the right. questions they're asking me that they 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 think they've got like, the answer they're not really asking yeah. me a 
question. It's disingenuous. Like they, yeah. you know, yeah. it's a rhetorical yeah. question that they think they're asking me, and I'm actually trying to answer it. And, right. Um, I spent my I I'd say I spent my first like 30 years being low key condescending all of the time. <laughs> yeah. Like just sort of with this like oh I'll listen to your idea, but I'm still sure mine is right. You know. Well, I'm only listening to your idea to afford me the floor when you're done to basically proselytize you. You know. That's yeah. Really what exactly. I'm in it for. And I'll listen to your story if you want. But ultimately, like I'm just trying to get to my pitch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. But but yeah, to be fair, I have lovely. a lot of Christian friends who are not that way and who sure, true. do genuinely care about people and do genuinely listen to people's stories and I think have done the hard work of getting themselves into a posture of being able to really truly come into new information. Um, and that's mm-hmm. a hard thing to hold on to when, when you, when you b- believe and when you have a worldview that, that claims to be objectively true. Um, right. And yeah. uh, you know, which, which is which is tough. You know, I mean, that's a that's a burden to have to carry that thing around. And at the yeah. end of the day, to say, "Man, I wish I could tell you that the way you're doing it is okay and will ultimately lead to eternal happiness for you." But unfortunately, this thing that I've got going on says that it's the only thing, and it says right. that there's this very narrow way in, and that you have to really do it that way. And I. Wish I could tell you otherwise. I mean, I kind of feel like that's such an interesting moment because I've heard that from so many of my friends mm-hmm. when they feel like they came up against the guardrails of what the Bible says about certain political issues or issues of sexuality or issues of, um, of morality. And, and they, they'll say, well, I, I love you and I accept you just the way you are. And I, I wish that the Bible wasn't so rigid about this, but this is what it says. I don't really know how to read it any other way. And I'm like... Yeah. Well, that's an odd thing that you're basically trying to tell me that the God of love is not as loving as you're able to be. Right. That seems like a red flag. Like, what do you mean? Like, so you, you can love and accept me, but apparently the God who made all things to whom I must be reconciled is somehow got himself caught up in a catch where he's not able to. And that seems strange. Yeah. (laughs) It seems like a little bit of an oversight. Yep. That is the place where honestly that distance between like just the the loneliness of the room of someone who has to choose, for example, like between their, uh, you know, their child and their God, right? So my child identifies this way. God says this isn't okay. And like the genuine rending of mm. that, the genuine, yeah. like that's, that's a, a horrific choice to have to make between your God and your child. It's a, it's, it's a really upsetting. old Testament yeah. epic, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just puts the, and I feel like honestly, like it makes it, it the, the thing that's nonsensical about it is it's like you are so much more loving than the God who you claim whose primary characteristic is love. Like you've managed to be more loving in this right. moment. And, and you are supposed to be the Imago Dei for crying out loud. Yeah. Like if you were and, created and in God's image, take a moment and see it. Like, do you see right. how that's working? And do you have any yeah. feelings about that, right? You know, is that like a thing you right. would express an opinion about? Yeah. Um, it is wild. I always feel like I have the easier time as well in that conversation because it's totally okay with me if yeah. their answers work for them. Like, great. If Jesus is the answer that works for you and like that brings you joy and happiness and it doesn't, you're not harming other people with it and it is doing it for you with your gut about morality and the way the world works. And yeah, if it all works for you, you yeah, great. You found a thing that brings you beautiful joy in the world. And that's a delightful thing. And and they can't, you can't flip that because there's a, it's limited. And that's okay with, with you having the same coming to the same types of conclusions about something else with my not having a conclusion. Yeah. And the the other thing that I feel like is kind of a, an interesting feature of modern Christianity is people finding their way to a version of it that they can make sense, that they, they figure out how to answer all those complicated questions to their satisfaction, make God loving and complex. And in all the ways that, that the Bible seems to make it hard for people to mostly do, but they do find a version and then they try and kind of rebrand that as, no, no, but this is orthodox. This is actually real Christianity. I'm like, well, maybe, but gosh, it seems 
I love it. I love what you've come up with. I love this, this patchwork thing you've put together, and you've pulled some Jesus in, and you've pulled some, some Stoics in, and you've pulled all these cool elements, and I'm into it. I'm down with that. I just, right. I'm just, do you ever, are you, do you ever feel uneasy about the fact that essentially what you've done is what everyone else is doing, which is you've just kind of gone through the buffet and pulled out what you like, and I don't really see how you can claim that this is Orthodox Christianity that you can now kind of writ large for everybody. Like, I, I, I'm cool with you practicing it, but do you really think it's going to be persuasive for you to go into the world and, and try to persuade everybody that this is actually the real mm. version? Because it really doesn't seem like it is if you plainly read the Bible. And I, and I appreciate that you're not plainly reading the Bible and you come to this great hybrid, but really, like, I would feel really uneasy about yeah. like deep down I know I've made I've kind of made some jumps and connected some things and and stitched some things together and and I'm cool with everybody doing that I just right. feel like they seem to some of my friends seem to get a little on edge when I ask them like so do you I love this I love your version of Christianity but right. is there anything deep down is there any moment you feel like maybe you've kind of made it up like you've kind of cut out the parts you didn't like even though you know that they're really there and like, like, what parts did you have to cut out, and at what point do you just need to call this something else? Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I just, I just was not able. It's one of the reasons I eventually had to just kind of toss some of the, even before I went through major kind of overhaul. I mean, I already was having to deal with huge bits of it that I was like, God, I can't hold all this together. Like, right. I just can't. And I, I just, it just doesn't all make sense to me. And it doesn't all seem like it goes together. It doesn't seem right to me. So I've either got to lop off some big pieces like, well, and a lot, to a lot of my more progressive friends, this was, you know, Deconstruction 101. But I was like, all right, we got to throw an inerrancy out the window then because, right. because, <laughs> because if all this is God-breathed and, and preserved over millennia, you know, whatever, by the Holy Spirit, it's all ultimately inerrantly God's word, then, then boy, that's going to make some shit really complicated. Right. We got a problem. Right? We got a problem. <laughs> yeah. and, but once you toss out inerrant, inerrancy, then... Who's to say which parts of it are the, the inerrant parts? Right. And what if the parts you don't like are not the only errors? And what if some of the core elements that actually give the thing its theological foundation, well, what if there's some errors in there? Like, now who's the judge? Mm-hmm. And the whole thing just starts to unravel like a sweater. Right. Yes. Yeah, and again, if it's if you're just marketing it as a way, if this is a good way of doing life, I'm a hundred percent on board. Like, yeah. pick and choose whatever you like from there. But if you're marketing it as the way, unfortunately, Jesus kind of said, depending on what you believe right. about the veracity of, do we know that he said it, and or did some, you know, did somebody conveniently add it a century later because, right, man, that made a great religion, um, you know, and there's good, there's a, there's big bucks in religion. I mean, who knows, but. Yeah. Yeah, it just gets complicated fast, and yeah. you know, so it's just it's hard. It's a, and and so I guess I'm trying to say is I I really do get it. I get both. I get how complicated it is for everybody involved just to be able to sit down and look at each other and listen. Yep, absolutely. It's hard, man. So well, so it is hard. So how then uh, to to bring us a little bit back toward your love story here? <laughs> how do you in sort of this place of deconstruction wind up sitting down across from? your worship leader now wife and and begin that conversation at what point did you look at each other and go oh, this could work right <laughs> immediately is when huh. I and, and i think it was because you know we were maybe whereas previously everything about my life like, like my my christianity my christian faith it was the primary grid through which i was looking at everything and so everything had to come in line with every little bit of it and it was this constant, exhausting preoccupation with making everything make sense through this grid. Yes. Everything from planes hitting buildings to, mm. you know, babies and orphanages to assholes with Bibles on television to you name it. I was constantly having to answer for it in my own mind of how all this harmonizes and makes sense. And then all of a sudden, I mean, my wife is the first woman who I met who I didn't have to put through that initial grid we could I could just look at her and get to know her and hear her story and it didn't have to do primarily with and how does this all bear on what I believe about who God is and how we all every all things must be reconciled to him 
now I can just look at this person. I can, we can, I can listen to my body. We can, we can just get to know each other and just determine what kind of legitimate partnership we have. How do our personalities work together? How do we? And it wasn't this preoccupation with, uh, or or a, or a disproportionate preoccupation with the how the spirituality all shakes out. We just mm -hmm. got to get, just get to know each other and yeah. with no other consideration other than like man, I don't want to spend a second apart from you. Like, we're such good partners. Like, we're so good at life together. Like, we complement each other in so many different ways. And you're just my favorite version of all these things. And, mm. it just, and so it just, there was no consideration to, um, and, and she is a nuanced, she, she, her, she practices her spirituality in a nuanced enough way to have been able to go through that exercise with me, <laughs> you know? And, right. um, and for us to realize that, um, you know, opinions, and, and I'm going to use that word intentionally, about spiritual and unknowable things, which is that's really all any of us have, right. um, are just our opinions about it. Um, you know, some people might call it their beliefs. I mean, but they're just opinions, and opinions change. And you don't ever want to make permanent decisions based on impermanent circumstances. And so what I can tell you is, over 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years of marriage, we're going to flip-flop. And... She might be, I might be the one back in a worship band, and she might be the one putting out fingers <laughs> crossed, you know, in another 10 years. Who knows? Right. Um, because because life experience compounds and opinions change. And, and, and what I know is that I want to go through and process all of that with this person. Hmm. Um, and, and that we realize we have a, um, a, the way that our chemistry works together, the way that our personalities hook together that we'll go through this together. And even if one of us or both of us over time changes our opinions about some of this, we know that we are the people we primarily wish to process all that with. And that I know that she will really help me think through and come to the most sound conclusions about as we go. And so what difference does, to focus on the, our differences of opinion or the differences of seasons of life that we may be in right now as it, as it um, um, pertains to, like, spirituality and things like that, that's short-term thinking. I mean, like, when you really find somebody and you find something special and you find something like what we found, those things need to take a backseat to that because, because we are people who, um, I think, we're just good partners. It's a good partnership. Yeah. So, you know, we just wish to go through all that together is the point. I want to go through. So if she ever goes through a a major season of, of fundamental deconstruction. I want to be there. I want to go through that with her. If I go through a season of newfound belief in either Christian spirituality or something altogether different, I want her to be there with me to help me think through and measure it and be honest about it. And she knows me. She'll hold me, you know, to it. And that's really, so we just weren't burdened with all those right. extra layers of consideration. So great. Look right at each other and go right for each other. And that's what we do. This is... This is the person you want to wrestle with the question. Yeah. And, and, and I think that really finds its way into these songs. You know, like, so there's this, actually, I actually have a song called Valentine's Day, which is one of the songs that, you know, we'll, we'll hear here first, um, you know, that, that I'm releasing, um, I guess we're saying today. <laughs> yep. Today. Um, but it was a song about, like, it's a, it was a, one of those good examples of, re, there's a lot of repurposing language on, on targets of, like, taking language that has always meant one thing to me and starting to break it down and make it mean new things. And, yeah. um, and that's what actually what the targets, that's what the title track is about, is about kind of the things you bring with you and the things that, you know, in other words, God doesn't get everything in the divorce. Um, <laughs> you know, we get to bring things with us and you get to bring your care for neighbor, your, um, your love and care for the poor, or your concern for the world. You get to bring things that you thought were maybe hallmarks or even things that you were taught in the, the worldview that you are now deconstructing, if those are part of your core personality and part of who you are, you get to bring those things with you. You know, like, you get to take, you get to burn the straw man, but you get to bring the targets with you and aim that energy at new things and express yes. it in new ways. And um, so for me, even something going to the relational side something like Valentine's Day and, you know, all the things that are wrapped up with conventional, you know, expression of love and relationships. Like, 
you know, I have a very different view of all that now with, uh, with my wife and, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of Easter eggs in that song about hard things we went through and that she helped me through, that she helped me survive. And, and I, I was just thinking like every single day that I wake up with this deep sense of gratefulness about this person who is willing to do all this hard shit with me, every day I'm going to wake up and say happy Valentine's day to this woman because like, mm-hmm. like she is the reason I'm alive and I've made it this far. And, so yes, we're releasing on Valentine's Day, but it's a song that I could sing to her every day, and um, you know, and that's all throughout the lyric, and um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we're going to release a B-side as as well um, uh, of one of the other many love songs on the record. But you know, I thought it was important to that that be that that be the very next statement after a record like Fingers Crossed was like I really wanted. I'm so glad that Finding Love Again was mm. part of that very next season so that I could document it and provide for people who are still in that season of grief, like, man, like, do the hard work, learn everything you can, show up to it, do it with help, do it with both community and therapy, but don't lose hope. Like, don't let hope be a feature of your previous system of beliefs in life. Like, even yes. though we're not certain, even though we can't see what's coming, find a way to hang on to hope that things, that all your best things about your life are not now behind you, but there are great and unexpected things in front of you. And if I'm a guy who can say that to you, I just need you to trust me that it could be true for anybody. Because if you spent time in a season like I did with Fingers Crossed, let alone with that actual album, you will believe me that there was not a lot of hope in that season for me. And yet here I am, happiest I've ever been, unexpectedly, and that gives me reason to persuade others to keep hope on the horizon and believe that great unexpected things could be in your future, better things than you ever could have imagined, um, even if you could go back in time and change the worst things about, the hardest things about your story. Like, you know, there's, there's potentially amazing and great things ahead. And, and I wanted to be just as faithful at putting soundtrack to that as I had been to putting soundtrack to the really hard and, mm-hmm. and grievous things that had just been behind me. And so I'm so grateful that my wife showed up when she did and that it was, there was time for me to document it on targets and, uh, you know, and uh, that, that might, that might give a little hope to people who are still firmly in this, in the fingers crossed season, but maybe just peek a chapter ahead and listen to some of the songs on targets. And yeah. even if that's aspirational music for them, I hope that it yeah. could serve as that. Yeah, I love it. I just got total goosebumps because my uh, my that the last conversation I ever had with my grandfather, who was kind of my person, that's what he said to me. He said, "Karen, I was 26 and I had recently gone through a divorce." And he said, "Karen, most of the best days of your life haven't mm. happened yet. Like yeah. most of your absolute best days haven't haven't happened yet." And oh. I come back to that every time. Every time that I get to a place where I start to feel like this is too difficult, like you can't, I can't, I can't stay in that place too long because I have that that idea that there still are best days that are around yeah. the corner. There still are some of those. And I'm really curious about what those days are because I, <laughs> I don't know, you know, <laughs> and yeah. that's, and what, what a, what a beautiful <laughs> thing it is to hold on to that, that hope. Yeah. Exactly. It's such a beautiful, a beautiful hope to have. Yeah. Well, I, and, and I love, yeah. I love a romantic gesture. And then I especially love a romantic gesture that has this like added layer of like, also, this is like not just the thing I'm going to sing to my wife, but I'm singing this for all y'all. Yeah, <laughs> all yeah. y'all who have gone through this shit, and slogged through this, and like let's let's pull each other out. Let's look forward. Let's if we if I can be a person who's going to hold a banner at any moment, I'm going to I'll raise my arm up. Yeah. Like let's do yeah. this. I just love yes, that. and that that I'm I'm glad you said it because I mean if I, there's two last things I would say to tag on to this, just the thoughts that I have in the conversation we're having. One is um, that, like I said at the very beginning, like right, you know, the thing that pulled me out of my writer's block before Fingers Crossed was realizing there were people who needed soundtrack that were not going to find it just like I didn't, and I wanted to contribute. And what's interesting, I mean, it really does. This is weird. I did not plan this. But what's interesting is for the first time in my whole career of 25 years making music, I finally see my work as ministry. Truly. Like, mm. I'm literally, like, with, with the Target's record, I literally spent my main motivation for what I was writing, which songs, what's missing, what, what do I need to say, how do I need to say it, was to do with what 
language do people need that I need to mm -hmm. provide for them to sing anthems, defiantly yep. joyous anthems of unbelief and love? Like, what do people need? And that was like, I've never done that before. I've always been so, my songwriting process has always been so selfish and inward. And this time around, for the first time ever, it was literally with, in mind, were the people who would be listening and singing along and either defiantly or tearfully putting their fists in the air and saying, I will not believe the lies that are behind me and I will, I will hope against hope and I will, you know, proceed into my future believing there are good things and that I can get healthy and I can affect that change. And like I, my primary motivation was to provide language for other people, even more than for myself. And it's just so interesting that here I am finally um, in, t in a season of total unbelief and, and my first year in ministry. Um, <laughs> I love that so much. It's interesting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and so anyway, and, and so I hope, I hope it's, you know, re received that way. And, uh, yep. you know, and, um, but yeah. So anyway, I mean, I, 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 I found it fascinating and, um, you know, and, and, uh, and I, I do hope that, you know, folks will are encouraged and, and, um, you know, uh, because but just like you said, I mean, I went through such a long time believing that all the best things about my life that I was, it was either going to happen to me or that I was going to accomplish were all behind me. Um, and that just turned out not to be true. That was the second thing I want to say is that there, the one thing, again, not, I don't, I'm not a big fan of certainty. I don't have beliefs, but I do have opinions and maybe hypotheses. And the one thing I can tell you that I really do see operating um, in reality is and this is my one thing, my one little bit of belief is in cause and effect. Cause and mm -hmm. effect, that is a real thing. And so for people who get stuck in that rut and that cycle of uh, over-identifying themselves with the grief and the things that are behind them, what I have found really helps, you know, call it cause and effect, call it law of attraction, but the, the energy that you put out and the, the things that you dwell on in your imagination, in your heart, are the things you tend to attract to yourself and the things you tend to manifest into the world. And it was the point at which I started to hope against hope, you know, that things could be different and change was when some of those things started to happen. And, like, I just would just at least challenge people to, you know, a little disruption maybe in your typical rhythm and believe for a moment that things could be different and start to imagine the feeling of what it's going to be like when all the things you hope for start to happen. And don't think so much about how you're going to make them happen, but focus your yep. energy on how amazing it's going to feel and what you're going to do and how you can behave and how that's going to change your life. And like really focus on the, 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 the great feeling of what that life change is going to feel like when it's done. Focus your energy there and just spend some time sitting in that new reality and see if it doesn't start to show up. I mean, I just... You know, I, I really, I've been pretty surprised um, at what a, what a difference it makes to start to dwell on, uh, you know, to, be, to start to try and find internal ways of being the change I wish to see in the world, in my, in my own world. And, and, and it's had a pretty dramatic effect. So I don't know, just as a, as a parting shot, you know, for people. Oh, I love that so much. You said earlier something about defiant joy, and I think that that's, even in the midst of that, that space and that kind of, and I, I tend to, I have this weird theory about two years being the amount of time it takes something to normalize, which is mm. absolutely like not a provable thing. It's not a belief. <laughs> it's just a hypothesis that I have that I'm testing, but it feels pretty like the, around that two year mark is where the thing that was the thing that was going to end your life suddenly is just a thing that happened to you. You know, the thing that was yeah. going to be the defining yeah. thing forever now just yeah, a, a right. part of of your story that is now and so like looking towards that that day and then this this idea you know I think we all grew up with these ideas that the only way to be happy eternally happy or eternally loved is this one story you know a lot of us grew up with this and yeah. that the defiance of saying no you know I I walked away from that or I did this differently or I didn't do the right the quote-unquote right thing in this mm -hmm. circumstance and I am still abundantly joyful and, you know, hashtag blessed or however you want to define it. But it would appear that whatever God is, God is not trying to destroy things for me at this
this yeah. moment. Like God, yeah. God maybe still is oriented towards my good, and that's mm. incredibly beautiful. Yeah, I'm so down with that. You know. Hey, so wouldn't you know? Uh, <laughs> Technology it, friends. Yeah, it'd be it'd be great. What would be great is if the last five minutes of our conversation with Derek Webb had recorded mm. um, with the technology that we were utilizing. Yeah. Al- alas. Alas. <laughs> That's not what happened. No. And those those last few minutes of words, which were great. They were awesome. They were maybe the best of all of the words that we've ever spoken, but you'll never hear them. Because they have been lost to time and our memories. And so it's between us and Jesus. And Derek. And Derek. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sorry. Um, sorry about technology. Yeah. Uh, but wasn't that a great conversation? Oh, my God. I love him so much. And just the trajectory, like everything... I just, uh, I feel like Derek is just my my quintessential, um, just, I feel like in this deconstruction thing, there are so precious few humans Mm. who are sort of out there being leaders and being at the front of it and being really open and honest about their Mm -hmm. whole experience. And I just feel like there's a little bit of mentorship that I get from Derek. Absolutely. Just in getting to watch him do what he's doing. And he's just been so generous with his experience. Um, And I just get excited. I get excited about where we're going uh, when I listen to where he's going and where he is, uh, where he's been. So it's good stuff. So um, if you're not already following Derek, please, please click on the show notes right now. Uh, Go follow him in all the places. And today is the release day for his new single Valentine's Day. Yep. On Valentine's Day. Yeah. We are clever marketers. And um, so we want you to go listen to that song and yeah. just just give Derek a follow. Um, he's also got a Patreon that he has recently launched. So right. um, you can support him in so many ways. But mostly just by going and sharing his music. Go do that right yeah. now. Yeah. And Targets is around. Some singles are out already. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the whole album I think is available in some places on Patreon. I'm pretty sure at this yep, point. I think so. A couple of other places. That album is fucking fantastic it's so good so get on it especially you know if you're at that same kind of place you're like okay what are we gonna do let's like reclaim some shit god doesn't get everything in the divorce (laughs) and like where are we going now is it is the anthem that you need so go find your soundtrack yes ma'am and uh stick around for the rest of season four we're so excited about it yep and can't wait to talk to y'all some more love you guys we love you bye bye (laughs) 